0: All right, we are officially live. Uh, this is the, I never remember what episode, so this is probably like six, maybe, episode six of the Clay and Company podcast. I'm accompanied by uh, Nate Babner. Uh, you, those of you guys who have been following along, the millions of you guys that are out there, um, you probably remember Nate from a previous episode. And then JT uh, is actually, he was we were going to do a solo one, just JT and I, but we figured why not loop? Nate in on this one. We're gonna have some good conversation. Uh JT, the best way I could describe you is first of all, the three of us on this call today, it we are uh three legendary attack men from the the old lax days and in, in middle school and then a little bit in the high school before we all quit lacrosse. So um basically all of us grew up together. Uh JT, what have you been up to, dude? I haven't even talked to you in like probably a year or so. I mean, obviously other than banter on Instagram, but what have you been up to?
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. So me and Clay go back and forth probably a handful of times on Instagram. But uh, right now I'm actually in a hotel room because I just started a, a new job. Um, so mm-hmm. I'm in Indianapolis and I'm doing some job training. But then um, I'm going to be living in Columbus. But I'll be so my basically my job is I'm a demo rep uh, for sales. So okay. I'm selling this uh, piece of equipment that is like a zero turn spreader sprayer unit for landscaping and golf courses. Mm. So oh, nice. that's kind of what I'm doing. And uh, it's something a little different from what I have been doing in the past because I was doing groundskeeping. So yep. um, yeah. Yeah. So it's something a little Wait, different, um, kind of like in the same realm as you guys, but a little bit different because I'm still operating machinery, but I'm like kind of okay. like dabbling into the sales industry.
0: Yeah. I was just going to say, well, you're talking to two of this, the, uh, the people in the sales realm right now. So what are you, are you actually doing like the selling part of it or are you doing like you have to sell and do the work
1: yourself. A little bit of both. So like I'll be doing like a lot of customer service. Um, So like what I'll do is like these customers will call our company and say, Hey, like, I'm interested in your machine. Like can I get a demo? So what I'll do is I pick up like three or four of these machines in a trailer that's 20 foot long. um, And then I'm in a big, uh, big uh, truck and I'll, I'll drive it to over them. And then usually how it works is they will be like, you know five or six different people that are interested and then like i'll you know go over the machine and then talk about it and then um you know go over and just kind of demo it and show them what's about and answer any questions they have and hopefully sell it um so i'm a little <laughs> yeah. bit like yeah so that's kind of the goal like but it's the way it's structured is like i'm a little bit salary a little bit commission so like i yeah if i sell the machine like it's great um but so I have, otherwise I'm you're still too fine ins-
0: though like you get salary and shit
1: yeah but i mean ultimately the more i sell the better i do and better the company does so
0: yeah dude that's so huge to be able to like me and Nate, nate's like fully actually both of us are like almost fully commission based in terms of like cash collected like we make money on how much we collect and um mm-hmm. i think people underrate how important it is to take a job that you get you're getting commissioned because like once you realize that you're in control of how much you make, then it's up to you, you know, to like actually yeah. go out and perform. And I feel like it, it just makes a big difference. And if you haven't done like you got to do a commission job at some point in time, just like get the experience of it, I feel like.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, it's definitely different from what I'm used to. Like basically like what I was doing before is like, I didn't get paid unless I showed up to work and like put my hours in. And then like I was incentivized by working more and getting overtime. Whereas mm-hmm. now it's like a little bit different. Like, yeah, I'll get paid for showing up to work. But like if the more I the better I do selling, the more money I'm gonna make and better the company's gonna do. So it's definitely a little different like from what I'm used to. But um, you know, my yeah. brother does a lot of sales and he kinda like inspired me to like try it and try something different because the manual labor part is uh very, very hard to sustain at a long term. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, that's, oh man, I did that, uh, I did a pipe fitting job in high school, like, like at the very end, and like, it just wrecked me, dude, like the whole rest of my days were terrible, and like, uh man, I hated, I don't know, manual labor, like it's, it's, uh, it's like, I don't know, it's like very honest work, like you're like, you go, you do the work, you, and then your day's over, and you feel good, because you did it, but it's like, it's just so not scalable, like you can't do anything else. And like, you can't like, no, like if you're just capped to the amount of physical work that you can do. And it's like, it's cool to make a living that way to a certain degree. But then if you want to be able to make more money, you're like pretty quickly realize you're like, oh shit, I have to do something different.
1: Yeah. Especially like in the industry I was in, like groundskeeping and stuff is like, you can work your way to the top, but like, it takes a long time to get there. And then like, it's a very stressful, like once you get there. So mm-hmm. it's something that's like, you can make a lot of money doing it, but like, you really have to put your time in and like, even when you got the job, like you still like, you have to perform or else you're going to lose your job.
0: Right. So it's
1: a very high risk, high reward kind of thing.
0: And do they like, are there, so you said it's like overtime pay is a way that you would make more money doing that.
1: Yeah. So like in my industry, like, unless you're like a superintendent, you're like, you're not really making any money. Yeah. You know, you make, you know, anywhere from like, the industry is kind of like well, fluctuated, but anywhere from like 14 to like 18 bucks an hour. And then like anything over 40 hours, like you get overtime. So okay. like, I made out pretty well this past year, but like, I mean, I earned it. Like I earned every dollar. Um, yeah. and, and then like, especially like the warm seasons, like you pretty much, you have no free time to do the things you want to do. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's so it's, bad. it's a grind. It's a, it's definitely a grind. Let's, you're, you're
2: underselling the groundskeeping though, man. First and foremost, for those that w- welcome back to me at least, recurring yeah, guests. Welcome today. back. Second recurring recurring guests on the show. <laughs> Fucking legend. This is my time to come over the top because JT doesn't give himself enough credit, man. When you talk about groundskeeping, I mean, you were groundskeeping some of the premier property in the country, right? These are top level golf establishments that have probably the best tech the best machinery out of anywhere on the globe. I mean, this isn't your state of the art ground ski or not, not your kind of run of the mill pick up some mowers and go mow some guys yard. I mean, what you guys were doing the attention to detail. Talk a little bit JT about that. Cause I, I this goes way deeper than what you had just touched mm-hmm. on. I mean, you were curating world-class golf courses. So what was the environment like? What were the expectations for you guys on that crew?
1: Yeah. So, Basically, like I started working when I was 14, my dad, like, he was like, it was like one summer, I remember he like, come up, comes out to me. He's like, you know, I'm working these crazy hours. Like, you're not going to sit in the basement and do nothing all summer and hang out with your friends. Like, you're going to, you're going to work. So, so I came early to me, like I, so I was 14 and then like working when I was 14, I was working, working crazy hours, but like I was working like 30 hours a week. And then, like, my friends would be like, you know, JT, where what were you you doing? Yeah, yeah
0: like, that was where probably where me. You? I'm sitting there asking, yeah. like, JT, where the – well, first of all, real quick pause on that, JT. You had another stint. So we all grew up in the same neighborhood, the three of us. You had another stint before probably you were 14 Were you, like, disappeared and went to like a military boot camp style thing for a period of time yeah yeah So sure I want that. you to touch on that at some point too.
1: <laughs> okay I'll, I'll touch on that real quick so basically my this is before I started working my dad was just, just like wanted me to be like I don't know develop me as a person I was a little bit of like a shithead I guess you could say like I was like we all were a little bit of a troublemaker yeah. and so he, he, he thought it was a good idea like I had no say in this he's like okay you're gonna go to Culver Academy which is in I think I remember it was Indiana but basically it's like a very high-end like academy school for like people that want to like start doing like military sort things so <laughs> I'm 13 years old and I mean I have like oh. probably a little bit longer hair than I do now and yeah. I, I had to shave it all off I, you like, went
0: bald I was like
1: dude <laughs> <laughs> And I, it was just, like, it was an interesting experience. So like, you know, you're marching to, like, where you're going. Like, you did a lot of cool things. Like, I learned how to sail a boat. Um, you did, like, some, like, cool, like, military sort of things. But, like, overall, like, it was – I learned quickly that it, it was definitely not for me. Like, I would never see myself yeah. doing anything military-wise because it's a very strict, like, you know, in-your-face. Yeah. Like, you're doing exactly what I'm telling you to do at this time. So, it was it was definitely interesting. And then <laughs> – fall. <laughs> Following that, then my dad was like, "You know, you're not gonna be doing nothing all summer. Like, you're gonna come to work for me." So yeah. I was like, "All right, you know, whatever." And so I was working probably like 20, 30 hours a week, and you know, it's kind of started my from like bottom up. Like, I was raking bunkers and like, and so for you, those that don't know, I was working at um, Mirfield Village Golf Club, and they host an annual memorial tournament. And so every yeah. summer, it was around June, they're hosting um, a PGA Tour event. So this course had to be pretty much immaculate for uh mission. Yeah. <laughs> and so my dad, he had me doing like the blunt end of the work. Like I was raking bunkers and yeah. then like, like, so the, everything's on TV. So we have our streams and they develop like what are called runners. just basically grass growing in the middle of the stream. And I was in the streams, like pulling out like grass, just like in the mud, <laughs> like, like just doing like, you know, stuff that no one wants to do. Um, yeah and you know I kind of worked my way up every year and like did a little bit more um, so then I, I started doing like mowing tea, tea boxes and then like I started mowing greens and then um, at a certain point like I started doing like a lot of fertilizing um, a lot of hand watering um, so it was uh, it was definitely like looking back on it like I think it's like one of the coolest things I've done It was just like it was just very difficult manual labor stuff yeah so, like um, I learned a lot and I, I went to school for plant biology, so like I I, I definitely enjoyed it. Um, but it was it's a it's a tough way to make a living. Um, but
0: sounds like your dad was trying to get you in uh, some version of scared straight there. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> no, my yeah, dude. My, I mean, obviously,
0: you guys know my dad's a, the same way. He's, he was always like, I mean, I feel like I don't. There's something about like when your dad sees you like. a you're you're in high school and you're doing nothing for your summers you're just chilling like and they're like what like I don't get to do that you gotta come start working for me but I feel like when you're a kid like you should have those summers free like that's the whole point but I always had the excuse I always had football I was like I was like dad I can't work a job I'm playing football like what are you talking about (laughs) so I had that excuse going for me but uh dude I feel like that the manual labor jobs though like they're if, if you've never had one it's like you gotta have one you gotta like at least it builds character man
2: it builds yeah. character i mean jt you got yeah hell i'm looking at you man you're full of character you you were freaking <laughs> working at that I've, i forgot about military
0: school too completely <laughs> i can't believe you i both. almost did I like, too
1: i almost did too dude was, i i, 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 remember I distinctly the summer.
0: remember it, yeah. him like coming back with a bald head and being like dude i was like where have you been because we all live in the same neighborhood and like me jt and matt would always hang out and then He was like, "Yeah, like my parents just shipped me off to military school." And I remember thinking, like, "They could just do that?"
1: Like,
0: (laughs) I was like, "What the hell?" I hope my parents don't just ship me off randomly.
1: And the reason no one knew where I was at is because I couldn't bring my phone.
0: Yeah, you literally disappeared like off the face of the earth for a summer and just popped back up with a bald head, and it was just like, "Yeah, dude, I just was like in the military."
1: And and the, the funny thing about it is, like, during that like time period, like are like kind of like you wore like a like a straight white tee and i remember i came back just like wearing white tees all the time and it picked up and all of like our whole grade was yeah. wearing white tees at one point
0: yeah. <laughs> everyone was rocking the white it was like the cool thing to have the white tees
1: yeah
0: yeah that was dude that was crazy i just remember being like oh my god he just like straight like because summers were so important for me and i just remember being like dude they just stole jt's summer away from him like that. <laughs> like, yeah yeah, that's crazy. But um, it's, dude, that that there's so many like times when I think about like the old like car middle school days or whatever, and I'm like, you guys remember playing lacrosse with like Coach Nazy and all that stuff? I'm like,
1: dude, we were really good. We were. Really I know, good. RT.
0: Like, I know that's what I'm saying. Like, we were like we a, pretty we legendary.
2: Had, that state championship was pulled from us, ripped from our hands. Oh, oh, I will haunt me to this day. I had, so had a, a concussion. concussion. you didn't even get to play in the yeah. game? They, they waved off tragic. Two or three goals. Oh, I, forgot. I don't know if you guys remember that. They took away two or three goals Dude. from us, and oh. it was the difference.
0: So I came back to watch. So I got a concussion the, the game before that, and I came back to watch, and I remember I, it was like Austin Seifel or someone shoots, hits the guy, hits the goalie in the nutsack. It yep. bounces off, and then he picks it back up, shoots again and scores, and the goalie is like laying on the ground crying because he got hit in the nuts. And they like waved it off, and they were like, oh, the goalie was defenseless. Was there yeah. an excuse? It's yeah. like, maybe wear a cup or something. What? Clay, you're yeah, underselling
2: that, that concussion, too. You were knocked out cold.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. That was, <laughs> that was the only time I've ever been, like, fully KO, like, playing football my whole life and, like, hockey and, you know, uh, what I, what else? Yeah, I mean, college football. Like, literally the only time I've ever been knocked out cold was uh, that, that game. I, I'm pretty sure somebody – we were on like a power play, right? And it was like, I think it was like you, JT, and Austin were playing attack and I was playing midi. And so we're like throwing it around in a circle and Austin throws it and it goes over my head. And yep. so I had to turn around to run to the midline to like pick up the ball. And right when I picked it up, the, the attackman on the other side pushes me in the back. And then the, I turn around the defense guy with the like the long pole, like cross checks me in the forehead, so I like got like whiplashed into this cross check, and then I literally just remember waking up with everyone's faces around me, and they're like, "Who's the president? Like, what year is it? What's your name?" And, like, <laughs> I, I I literally got the I got the month wrong. I I said the wrong month, and then they were like, "Oh my god, we gotta get him to the hospital!" <laughs> <laughs> like, oh shit.
1: Dude, that's oh, crazy. I shit. actually completely forgot about that tournament because we were like. We were hot, run. like we were, no, like we were on a roll, especially that tournament, it's, I remember. And then, yeah, like, like Clay was state saying. State championship
0: game, I
1: think. Right? It, it was a state championship game. Cl- Seiple comes around from X, around the goal, oh, like to the goalie, shoots at his nuts, bounces off and scores, yeah. and they call it off. Like that was like the difference that of the was, game.
0: That was insane. How could, how could you
1: call that off?
2: It was an eight yeah. to six game. They waved off two of our goals.
0: And I literally got concussed just for you guys to go on and lose. That was so disappointing. <laughs> God. And I, dude, I was actually so messed up from that. Like, I, 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 at least my mom says I was. I don't remember being that bad, but my mom's like, yeah, like you, like, were confused for like the, and I was like, really? Cause I don't remember that. But I also, like, barely remember that entire, like, month. Like, that whole month in my head is like the foggiest like i don't know it's like a, it's like i blacked out for that month it was super weird
1: um yeah, it's crazy
0: yeah so anyway so you guys i mean both you guys ended up going on and going to ou were you guys hanging out in college at all hell yeah um, yeah, hell yeah. We nice okay. we didn't for... hang out
1: as much like the first couple of years but right. then like once once uh we were like living off campus like me me babs we had like a pretty big click yeah um yeah. yeah it was like me matt you know his whole house and then like a couple of his neighbors and we hung out like pretty much every day
2: dang man. yeah, He's- we had some good times man back back at old ohio university we certainly had some good times
0: so jt were you doing the groundskeeping stuff like post-college and then like because what we've been out of college for like two years now so you did that for like the first or maybe it's three holy shit yeah Almost well, so
1: i did it 2018 i went so my, my parents moved to Philadelphia and then, so my dad started working at Marion and which is like a very historic golf course. And so they were doing a renovation and then I decided to like help with that. And that actually was probably like the, the the pinnacle of like my, my career as far as like, like learning development and like doing really cool, mm-hmm. like, re- like restoration store, sort of stuff. And then after like nine months, I came back to Columbus and I started working, um, at Sciota. And that was pretty short-lived. So I, w- I worked there for a year and then I went back to Marion and worked there for a year. And then now, so now I'm starting like a new job. It was kind of okay, like, yeah, I, I enjoyed what I did, but it was, it came to a point where it was like, I need to like somehow switch gears um, to something different.
0: Yeah. I sometimes just need that change up too. like, what do, when I was in the, I worked at Oracle for a year and like, I loved the people there. I loved, you know, the job, but I was doing it just to like, uh, it was just for the paycheck. Like I was like, I need to make money right now. So I was cashing my paycheck and then just working on side hustles. But I don't know. I I just, that period, like right out of college, I feel like for a lot of people is so tricky because it's like, you don't know what you want to do. So you have to try a million things. And then people are like, well, you know, I don't want to risk, you know, wasting time or doing this or that. So I I I've, I've just been like fully focused on just trying a million different things my first couple years um to be able to figure out like what do I actually want to do so I mean I don't know have you guys been able to like figure like do you guys feel like you know what you want to do yet at this point or are you guys still both in the same same phase of like I'm still trying to figure out what I even want to do
2: I'm I'm right there with you Clay. I know I know one thing it's that I'm going to own a business someday. What that business is going to be, what we're going to do is up up to uh, up, up to the discretion, yep, at yeah, at this point in time. Uh but that's that's for me man. I'm in the same boat as you and and I know last we had a conversation about this just last week, you know, as you were explaining to me what you were doing and as we were catching back up, but you know, as as I look at what I'm doing just tasting as many things as I can. I mean, we're in, we're in a good spot right now, uh, but you know, things can change tomorrow. Things can change next week. When opportunities come, you just you eat them up, you raise your hand and, and you, you, know, you, you take action on it. So that's, that's kind of where I'm at, uh, but still just tasting things, man. I, I think that's such a common misconception with society is that you have to figure out what it is that you truly want to do, what you want to become at such a young age. And the nature of it is that you really don't know and you got to just keep trying things to really figure it out.
0: Yeah, I don't yeah. even know if you ever figure it out, to be honest. Right. I mean, what about yeah, you, that's
1: JT? Kinda, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Like, you know, I'm trying something new, but like ultimately, I don't know if this is what's for me. Like, it's just, it's really just like try, trying to take a taste of everything that might be of interest to me. Cause like, there's stuff I know, like, I wouldn't want to do. So I'm not, obviously, I'm not trying those things where, mm-hmm. where I'm dabbling with things with like kind of like that are in my realm, kind of in my interest. So it's like, it's, it's tough. Like, I mean, I went to college, you know, when I was 18 and with like zero idea with like what I wanted to do. Yeah. I, it was almost like, why did I even go? Because the first yeah. two years was like pretty much gen eds, but I still didn't know what I wanted to do. At one point, I was doing health administration and like quickly realized that like it was all writing papers. Like, I would have hated my life. Um, and then I switched to plant biology. And then, so like right now, it's just like, kind of like Nate said, just like trying a bunch of different other things and like taking opportunities when they come up because, you know, like my, at least for my grandfather, my mom's side, like he didn't figure out what he wanted to do to, he was like 35 and then like once he figured it out, it's like it clicked, you know, he wanted to do it and like, it, it made sense to him. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think like you can't optimize too early either. Cause like, like if you try to optimize your life and go all in on something when you're what 24 25 like you might not actually want to do that but at the same time that paralyzes a lot of people and people then think oh well you know i'm just not going to do anything then if you know if i don't know exactly what i want to do i'm not going to do anything and i think like the secret is like just do like try a bunch of stuff and give it like an honest try like i and it doesn't have to be work related at all like i just am um thinking about like all the just random like Nate like trips that we will go on or like different things we'll try or whether it's you know a different sport or maybe a different like hobby or you know like I thought I would hate running and I started running and I was like I, you know I hated it at first but then I started like running and I was like oh this is weird like never in my life did I think I would like like I always thought like marathons and that so I was like that sounds so boring And uh, then I started (laughs) to like it a little bit. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. So just trying a bunch of random stuff like that. What what about you guys hobby-wise?
2: Yeah, well, I was going to, the only thing I was going to touch on is it's such a dumb cliche and I I don't like cliches very much, but a lot of them resonate and a lot of them have some truth behind them and it's why they exist. But, you know, it's just as important to figure out what you don't want to do as it is figuring out what you do want to do. You know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. I think as you look through it and and look through those types of things and then just go as deep as you can on hobbies, trading sports cards right you know that's something that i've picked up in the last year year and a half or so something i i like doing i like holding these pieces of art and being able to make a little extra money on the side with them but right just digging into those hobbies and and that's you know that's what i've i've realized is figure out what you don't want to do and and it'll at some point culminate you'll try enough things and you'll have enough things you don't want to do that you'll you'll find a path right whether that path was not what you envisioned, not what you pictured, or it's just a pivot off of an original path, it's going to come at some point.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Do, you, yeah, do I mean, you guys think you build, build passion for stuff through doing things? Or do you think like, you're just like, people are naturally, you know, they're just naturally
1: passionate about something. I don't know. For me, like um, in 2000, pretty much like beginning of 2019, well, my brother got me into, like, doing, like, actual yoga stuff, like, hot yoga, and, like, at Mm. first, like, like, to me, it was, like, why would I ever do something like this, but then, like, the more I did it, and, like, the first few times, like, I didn't necessarily like it, but then, like, the more I did it, the more I realized I enjoyed it, and it was, it was weird, because it was, like, it was actually the repetition of doing it, like, that made me enjoy it more, and Ah. the same thing with, like, like, fitness stuff in general, like, I really didn't like it that much at first, but like as more I did it, the more I was like, oh, this is kind of fun. Like I'm enjoying this. Mm.
0: Yeah, that's, that's weird you say that. That's exactly how jujitsu was for me. Like it was super uncomfortable to go to jujitsu classes because like it's like you're like wrestling with dudes. You're getting tapped <laughs> out all the time. It's, it's just like – it's like honestly just kind of uncomfortable. Like it's uncomfortable from a standpoint of like you're literally like on top of guys just getting choked all the time. And it's also uncomfortable from just like that standpoint of like you're you're really shitty and everyone else is way better than you and so like I at first was like oh man like you know I don't really necessarily like this that much but I just kept going and then now I really like it like now it's like a it's like playing chess it's like a whole like crazy involved game that I've come to like really really enjoy so I think there's like that there's like that little hump you got to get over like I think people like if you want to give something an honest try, like, actually go put in the repetitions for, like, at least a couple months before you make the judgment.
2: And, Clay, I think you answered your own question. You said, do you think, you know, you've, you just have it naturally or it's more of a discovered thing? And, uh, you know, for a lot of people, I think it is a discovered thing. You have no idea what you like and what you don't. You have an idea of it, but you have to understand you don't know what you don't know. And you try different things and you create that passion, right? For you Lats, it's, you know, hot yoga. I mean, shit. I can picture it right now. You dripping with sweat in the <laughs> downward dog position.
0: <laughs> just absolutely. Oh yeah, yeah. You might be a hot yoga teacher, actually. That Maybe about
1: it. See, like I, I wouldn't mind doing that, but like I have such bad ADHD, like I would be all over the board. Like I wouldn't know. Like I would just be like, do this, but then I'm like, oh, we'll, we'll do that. Like, yeah, yeah but that's. I, I don't know. What are you gonna say? I think the- I think the thing with like hobbies, though, it's like ultimately, like either you start doing hobbies, or you're like you're doing stuff that like won't progress you as a person. Like you will get in those bad habits of doing stuff like just partying and oh, like, doing yeah. stuff that is very unproductive, that like doesn't make you better as a person. And like I'm not saying it makes you be, like you're a bad person. If you do drugs or if you party, but like if once you once you like once you have your free time, you ultimately choose like what you're gonna do with that free time. And if you're doing stuff to progress yourself, like it, for me, at least it makes me feel better. Like I oh yeah. I feel more progressed.
0: Yeah. And there's like, there's something that's like addicting too to like that progression feeling where you're like, like you just, I don't know what it is, but you know, like you're, you're making a step in the right direction and like you get addicted to like the progress, not even like, like, I don't even care about the outcomes anymore of like 99% of the things I do. Like I want to be successful with a lot of stuff, but at the end of the day, like I'm more interested in like just doing the stuff because I enjoy the process of doing the thing. Like going to run or going on, going to jujitsu or, you know, making podcasts. Like I literally don't care like what ends up happening with it. I just like the fact that, like, I like having these conversations. Like even if it, like, if it wasn't for this, we probably wouldn't have an organized way to like sit down and do this, which I don't know for me.
1: Absolutely. And it's cool oh. because, like, I mean, I've always wanted to do so, like something like, like with like videography and like I always like. I mean, I watch YouTube like like a lot, a lot. and I just yeah, think it's too. like, it's just really cool and like something like to be a part of, you know. Um, try something different. I mean, it's it's like one of those things. If you don't try, you're never gonna know, and then you're always gonna yeah. be wondering like, what if? You know.
0: Yeah, there's there's like a stigma to like being a beginner, and like there's like people that are like people for some reason. I feel like they don't want to like look like a, a noob. Like they don't want to look like a beginner at something. They don't want to look like they're like failing, like if they're new at something. But like that's such a bad mindset. Cause like everyone when they started something was at the same point. Like everyone was new at something at, at one point in time. So um I had that like that feeling a lot with, with martial arts. I was like, man, like there's like so much friction because you're like, these guys are so much better than me whether it was like kickboxing or Muay Thai or jujitsu or whatever. And then I was like, but everyone had to start like with, at, with no knowledge. So it's like the stigma of being a beginner. Like, I feel like people need to, you need to flip that narrative and just be like, dude, it's fine. If you're like, you don't know what the hell you're talking about in regarding this, or you don't know what you're doing with this. Like the whole purpose of what we're doing here is to try a bunch of new things, figure out what you like. And then, you know, once you're, 50, 70, 80 years old, then, you know, we can start making judgments of, was that, was it even successful? (laughs) Clay,
2: Clay, you just made a huge point there, right? I think people paralyze themselves with that, that feeling, right? That uncomfortable feeling. Nobody likes it. Nobody likes being a beginner, but it's something that you've just highlighted that, that, you know, if anybody is out there listening and takes one thing away from our conversation today, it's exactly that you know, look at, let's look at the the historically, you know, professional, whether professional athletes, best in class at what they do, whether it's Tim Ferriss in business or Tiger Woods playing golf, you have to learn how to do it, right? It takes 10, hours to master something, you know, Tiger
1: Woods with women, you know, even <laughs> <laughs> zing. That. Hey, come on, come on, let's not get down. <laughs> that <rabbit. laughs>
2: uh, But yeah. I, I know exactly what you mean though. Everybody's got to start. Everybody's got to be a beginner. And, and, you know, for me, Clay, I have I, you know, you have to point your point the finger at yourself as well. I went to the 1st jujitsu jiu-jitsu class with you. Wasn't my cup of tea? I um, told you it was gonna I, suck.
1: I, I, I didn't see
2: it through, right? I didn't go through the repetition, so I I don't have the full picture of if that's something I truly wanted to do. Yeah. Albeit just to tell a really brief story here for my first jujitsu class. I get into the class, I'm feeling good, right? I don't have any of the equipment on. So I'm you don't need okay. much.
0: You don't need much yeah. for Jiu-Jitsu, well, you, you
2: need, like, you need what? A long-sleeve shirt. You need shorts with no pockets. And and so I show up there, right? That's the pref pre-
0: Yeah, preferably. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well,
2: nonetheless, I always like to look the part. I don't want to be the guy, you know, <laughs> wearing the wrong clothes in the Jiu-Jitsu gym. <laughs> You're going to be a beginner anyway. You might as well eliminate Yeah. So long-sleeve shorts. I go, I get the equipment, I show up, I'm feeling good. Right. I got my, you know, kind of picture it lats like a, uh, like a something you'd wear under your hockey jersey, just like a tight under armor. First guy I get paired up with, I mean, this guy, he's got full like rainbow cornrows tattoos all over himself. And we're, we're working on the arm bar. Right. And so I'm, you know, okay. I'm attempting my first couple arm bars. And he just taps me on the shoulder. He goes, Hey man, he goes, you know, I'm, I'm sure you haven't done this very often. He goes, but you're not going to want to use your pelvis as the pivot point. I'm taking his arm and I'm hiking it down and I'm using like my pelvis as the pivot point, the completely wrong way to do it. So in essence, I'm just jamming this guy's arm against my junk, trying to get the arm <laughs> bar in doing it completely wrong. But it, it goes to your point, Clay. I, th- there's a point to the story and that it's, you have to look like that in anything you do, right? You've got to be the guy that's jamming some other guy's arm in, into your junk yeah. and, in, in a metaphorical way, when really you should be squeezing with your knees. And but we could get, you know, we'll talk Jitsu later. Yeah. But that's that's the whole idea.
0: Well, now you yeah. got a mean armbar, you know.
2: Well, now now if you see me on the streets and you want to get into something, just lie down. I'll we'll start in side position. And I'll get I'll, I'll get the armbar locked in.
0: Yeah. There you go. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think, it, but jujitsu is a weird one because like it's, like it's a funny one to talk about because it's so, like all the things we're talking about are so glaring with jujitsu. Like you sit down yeah. and it's like so uncomfortable and like just weird. And it's like, because like, if you're not, like we've all played sports growing up, but like it's, oh, it's almost like wrestling too. It's like, you're not like- Undefeated, in, undefeated. <laughs> yeah, Nate's one and oh in wrestling. So uh, <laughs> no, but like in those like, those like sports where you're like really like you're like it's one-on-one and you're like intimately like attacking somebody or like you're like in- intertwined it's like very different than a lot of these uh other sports i guess that you play but um nonetheless you guys want to chat about some of this freaking what the heck's going on in uh, this finance and crypto space Lats, are you into any of this uh are, what do you do with this with your uh so, with your money that you make
1: <laughs> so i'm pretty frugal um but like so i started doing like a roth r8 pretty young age so like Mm -hmm. i have a lot of money in that um and then i have like i started a 401k with my other job but obviously i'm not with them so like it's i'm gonna have to like transfer it but um yeah uh, other than that like i i haven't like dabbled in like my own personal like um stock stuff like that's kind of like my goal this year is like to start doing that sort of stuff Um, like it's sometimes it's like for me like it's like you don't know what you don't know but um i'm starting to like watch more stuff about it and like trying to get like more informed um so it's like kind of a great spot yeah that's it's just very it's a very complex like thing in some regards like i i understand it but then there's like things i'm like wait what's going on because the problem with schooling is just they don't teach any of this stuff it's like yeah you really it's it's really self-taught if anything
0: yeah. yeah. So so the Roth IRA thing, that's I think people underestimate that. Like if you started a Roth when you're young, like that's huge. Like to contribute to a Roth IRA when you're like very young. Like I that that's like one of the best things you could ever do. If like anyone's listening it's like obviously the longer you have money in something that's compounding, the better everyone gets that principle. But like Roth IRAs, because they're tax deferred and you know you're gonna make more money over the long term. Like, you just put money in your Roth IRA, dump it in the S&P 500 when you're, like, 16, 17, 18. Like, that's, like, very helpful for your future, I feel like. Would, what do you put it in, JT, like, in, inside of your Roth?
1: Um, mostly, like, S&P 500, and there's, like, a couple other, like, index funds. Um, okay, i'm not totally i'm not totally sure my mom's an accountant so she does a lot of that stuff for me like i oh, mean it nice. sounds really yeah. weird but like at the same time like it kind of makes my life a little bit easier like she kind of yeah. just like all right here's here's some money like just you know do it do what you think i need to do with it and that's yeah. kinda like that's kind of like it's good and bad like i mean it makes me like it enables me to like not think about it but at the same time like i should get more involved with it
0: Well, it depends though. Like I'm of the mindset too, where it's like, if it's not your cup of tea and you don't give a shit about it and like, like your best, like your best bet, if you're not like interested in it is yeah, put it in some index funds, put it in your Roth IRA and let it ride. Like, don't worry about it. Like invest it in a way that you don't have to care about it. You don't have to focus your time on it. And then you can put more time and energy into the things that you actually like doing that will probably make you more money. So there's like, there's like two sides of the coin. Like, I think there's a lot of people to our age that focus on like investing and they want to like know what they're talking about in terms of like, you know, what real estate property should I buy or what stocks should I buy? But they don't even have money. Like they don't have a good stream of income to where investing even matters. So I'm like, I, I think you got to like focus on like, Hey, how do I make a lot of money first? And then like, once you're making a ton of money and you have a lot of money sitting around, then you can start being like, okay, what do I actually do with my money? people have it flipped. Like they're always focused on like, uh, I don't know. I, Nate, what about you though? What are you're like a traditional, uh, I'll
2: talk to you. I'll talk to you about my mindset and it's, it's one of the, the, the stock market is not complicated. People overcomplicate the hell out of the stock market where they're trading these goofy, you know, people will go read some internet forum. And this is how I started my trading career, right? I, and just to, to give a little bit of backstory to my history in trading, right, I'm, I'm a retail trader. I'm not, you know, I, I manage my own portfolios. I I know every single stock that's broken down into what I have. I spent a summer interning at PNC. So I was working for a financial services firm. And I, there wasn't a lot of work to do, but when there wasn't a lot of work to do, what I, I wanted, I made it a focus of mine. I wanted to learn how these markets worked. So I just, I went out and I learned the, the mechanics of it, right? The different options trading, just the way the market's going to move, the speculations, the earnings. And I realized very quickly, just buy good companies and buy something you're going to hold on to for five or 10 years. And then trading becomes ultra simplified, Right. Don't go out and try to play, you know, it's, and this is such a, you know, this is a Warren Buffett quote, but it's, you're never going to, it's not your timing of the market. It's your time in the market. And this is something, Clay, that you had just touched on. So for me, right, buy the companies you use, buy companies that you know are going to perform, right? Tesla, Apple, goes against some people's opinions, but Facebook, right? I mean, looking at some, some different ETFs, you can get really low risk, you can get really high risk. But if you're going to buy something, know what you're buying, right? You use Apple. If you have an iPhone, if you have a Mac, you know that you are the customer of their company. You understand you're going to keep going back to that watering hole. It's a great stock to own, which you need to avoid doing. And this is something that I, I make a heavy focus of. You have to be able to buy it when it dips below what you bought it at. So if your average cost of something's up, if you buy a stock at 100, it goes to 80. You damn well better have enough money to buy some more at 80. If it goes to 60, you better buy some more at 60. Down down, and down the chain it goes. And then you just, you slingshot. So I like to slingshot stocks like that to where you just dollar cost average lower and lower and lower. Very rarely am I going to buy something more than what I have it at. I've done it with Bitcoin, I've done it with other cryptos just because you start to see them bottom out, level out, and you just want to get more money in that particular security, particular crypto, whatever it is. But for, you know, investors like you, JT, I, I'm so in, you know, I totally agree with, with the Roth play and, and just putting it in these index funds. But at the same time, understanding that whether, you know, whether you're putting it in an Apple, whether you're putting it in some of the high, high blue chip style stocks, or even just energy, whatever industry you're in, you just want to diversify and you want to be prepared to own it for 10 years. We're not, you know, you're not going to time the market. You're not going to, you could, I guess, but it's not worth your time and energy to do it if you're not playing with, you know, six figures worth of capital that you're willing to lose. And Clay, this goes back to kind of your opinion on this. And I want to hear your thought process on it. You know, when you get into some higher risk stuff, because I know both of us are in some high risk stuff, what is your mindset when you, you know, deploy capital into high risk?
0: Well, I, so I like, I was the same way as you, JT, where I was doing like Roth IRA and like, I'm a very traditional investor and like long-term mindset. I'm like, look, I don't really care about this money. I'm going to put it away, you know, save it for retirement. And then I read a book um, called Die With Zero and it like, it's a guy named Bill Perkins, great book. You guys should all read it. And the whole principle of this book, and and I had this mindset too. Uh, and thought very similar to this guy, but his his book basically like reinforced all the things that I thought. So it was like interesting to read. Uh, the book basically is talking about like dying with $0. Like you should, obviously if you have kids or you want to put stuff away for a trust for some people, put that stuff away. But your plan should be to die with $0 left. And the reason he, he talks about that and says that is because basically he's talking about um, spending your money to have the maximum um, enjoyment you can in life like having the maximum amount of experiences that you can in life and so i obviously subscribe to the mindset of like you know save uh almost like delaying gratification and so this book talks about like you guys have heard that study where it's like you know if there's a kid that sits in a room and you know you can eat the marshmallow right now but if you you know wait an hour or something then you get two marshmallows or something like that and the kids that waited for two marshmallows They tracked them over 40 years and they like found out that these kids were like way more successful. So I understand the principles of delayed gratification. I practice it a ton in my life and I don't buy stupid shit and I don't, you know, go out and, you know, blow my money or things like that. But I started to think differently about like the way that I'm, I want to invest my money because you got to understand, like there's no one right way to do it. Like Roth IRA might work for JT buying just, you know, stocks that Nate likes uh, might work for Nate, but it hundred percent depends on what your goals are. Like if you want to have, if when you're older, you want to have, you know, X amount of money for retirement and you've been putting away $6,000 a year into your Roth IRA. And that's your goal is you're like, I just want to retire. I want to sit on a beach when I'm 60. And that's like, that's the game plan. Then that, that Roth IRA, Roth IRA might be the right option for you. But for me, I started to think about When do I want to have the most amount of money? And when do I want to be able to spend my money and have good life experiences? So I switched from the mindset of diversification while I was young and decided that I actually want to start making riskier bets on the one or two companies that I feel most strongly about, or the one or two bets, or stocks, or cryptos, or ideas that I think have the most amount of potential. So then I started saying like, fuck diversification. I want to go all in on the things that I really believe the most in. So I took the mindset of like, instead of, you know, I don't have a lot of money to just go out and diversify and make a lot of money off of. If I'm diversifying while I'm young and I don't have all that much money. um, and, And I'm not saying I don't have a lot, but like enough for it to make a big impact. Then why would I be diversifying right now? Like I don't want to wait till I'm 60 to have cool experiences and be able to go do certain things. So for me, it's more aligns with my goals to go and invest a hefty amount of my money into the one or two big bets that I've done tons of research on that I have the most conviction behind and then I can feel comfortable knowing like you know my money is actually has a chance to make a big difference in my life while I'm younger. So now for me like uh, let's say I hit it big. And one of my, like, let's say XRP, for example, does really well over the next couple of years. Like one, that's one of my bigger investments. Let's say that does well, even if it doesn't, I'm still fine. Like I never risk the amount of money to where it's like, it's going to be detrimental to my life or my lifestyle. But I also put enough in to where it's like, if this does well, I'm going to be set. I'm going to be, you know, have a lot of money to, to then play with. So I always think of the mindset as like, diversify when you have a lot of money not when you don't have a lot of money and i know I, go, I know that goes against a lot of people's mindsets of like well how can you make sure your money's safe and compounding <laughs> and all that and i i agree with all those principles but i just think if you don't have a lot of money you're better off doing a lot of research and making your one or two biggest picks and then you know if you have a lot of conviction in it and it works out then you can start diversifying with the money that you've now made Rather than trying to diversify way too prematurely, so I think it's a balancing game between the two. Um, but I feel super comfortable knowing that I I, I will always make the risk of um, to be able to have a hundred x gains, even if it means that I might lose all my money. Like if the risk to reward ratio is there, let's say it's a a five percent chance that I'll make a hundred x gain on my money, I'll take that all day long because. With my goals, I want to have money while I'm in my 20s and I'm in my 30s because I know that if I have money when I'm in my 20s and 30s, I can go have crazy cool experiences that I wouldn't otherwise be able to have, you know, when I'm 60. Like if I go tri- take a trip to Australia and want to go travel around Australia, it's not going to be the same when I'm 60 as it will be when I'm 28 and I'm healthy and and young and vibrant. So that's my mindset on it. Is I just think about risk to reward ratios, and then I think about like what are my goals and when do I want to have money, and then I try to allocate things according to that. Um, but I'm curious, are you guys like so, JT? Are you planning to like, are you diving into the worlds of like, have you looked at crypto and all that stuff, or are you just staying away from that that completely?
1: Um, I I have. I uh, started dabbling a little bit as far as like, um, looking up that kind of stuff. Um to me it like, I don't, I'm not, I don't like disagree with it, but to me it just like gives me a lot of anxiety to think about that kind of stuff. Like the whole, like, uh, I guess the part of like, where you store your money and then like it potentially getting stolen. Like that's where like, I get a lot of anxiety where like Mm -hmm. I I'm like in a space where I'm not totally sure. And like, like completely confident, like that my money is going to make money. And then, that crypto will be a thing like in the future. But I mean, it's, it's something I want to, and I, I just want to be around someone that knows what they're talking about. Like how, like help me set it up. And like, so I'm like, you know, like, I, I feel comfortable doing it.
0: Yeah. Like the peace of mind thing is huge. Cause so like, if you're investing in something and you don't have peace of mind, you might as well not even have invested in it. Like it, all those things are like totally individual. Like for me, I always, like, I don't, I really don't, like, think about stuff like that very often. Like, if it goes up, great. If not, then, like, it's not a big deal to me. Um, but I, like, I would, I'm kind of, Nate, I think you're the same where it's fun. Like, it's, like, almost like a, fun, like, for me, it's fun to do this type of stuff. I, I don't feel any type of excitement or joy unless I'm making a, a hefty bet or, like, I'm, you know, putting my conviction behind something. But yeah, there's on the flip side, if you have like anxiety around it or you're like worried about risking some type of money or something like that, I think you absolutely would would want to uh, make sure your money's just in a safe spot.
2: It's the, the manufactured, uh, manufactured entertainment out of it, Clay. That's it. what we call it in the, uh, in the sports betting industry. Um, you know, put a little pizza money on the, the game you're getting ready to watch, and now all of a sudden, you go from it's why casinos exist, it's why these, these different avenues and industries are so successful. Uh, but JT, you just hanging around on this podcast before you know it, you're going to be liquidating every single asset you have, and you're going to be on XRP, baby. We're heading to the moon. We're heading to the so, moon.
0: So, Nate, back to the, the XRP <laughs> thing though, tomorrow's a big day for it. There's like so, all these. I just, so guys, well, okay. I mean, regardless of what you think, there's uh, 200,000 people that are talking about it at least. There's like a, there's a group of, um, so JT, you know, like the wall street bets, uh, like the, the people that were like investing in um, GameStop. Did you hear about all that?
1: Yeah. I, I, I heard about that. So like, so one, the one thing I like, kind of understand is like this, the whole shorting thing but then i kind of i kind of figured it out like i don't have a total grasp of it but like i i pretty much understand what what, what happened which yeah. which is like a complete bs like and it's that's crazy. why it's kind of like like you 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 know you start making money and then all of a sudden like you know these big dogs are just like nah you're not gonna t- you're not gonna take that yeah so it's like so there-
0: <laughs> what <laughs> it, no it it is like it's crazy but there was like, I mean, Wall Street Bets was like just a Reddit uh, group. And then they basically pumped the price of GameStop to fuck over these hedge, hedge fund guys. But right now, there, so one of the things that Nate and I are invested in is, is XRP. It's a cryptocurrency. And there's a group that, that people created that it's like, I think it's like over 250,000 members have joined it in the past like week. And they're talking about doing the same thing they were doing with GameStop, but trying to pump the price of XRP. And it's supposed to happen tomorrow at, like, I think 8.30 a.m. or something like that. And there, there's tons of speculation about it. it's, nothing's going to happen. Like, some people think it's going to be, I don't know. So, it's, it's interesting for us, though, because we're, like, in it. So, we're, like, excited to watch it. And there's, like, mm-hmm. a lawsuit going on and a bunch of crazy stuff. But... Yeah, nonetheless, Nate, you don't think anything's gonna happen tomorrow?
2: Well, so I'll I'll explain to you a little bit why. Clay, did you on your last episode, did you and Muzz get into a little bit of the GameStop talk before, before Yeah, I we talked it, about it. A right, I, bit. I was gonna say before I beat it dead Yeah, we, yeah right. we talked
0: right. about it. Yeah. Okay.
2: <laughs> um so my my two cents, the only reason being as you know, just listening to people who I find to be really educated in the space that are looking at the market volumes and things like that, I totally agree that that you will you can manufacture this pump into any security, crypto, whatever it is with enough people and enough dollars. But if you look at overall market cap, overall trading volume, Mm -hmm. in a lot of cases, it it won't make a dent. I do believe though, from the sense of just bringing it to people's attention, people under, I mean, you look at Dogecoin, right? I think this is the great example, the greatest example of what, and it happened at GameStop, it happened in all these stocks. You have all the, the, the power of the internet. Right, this is all being driven by the power of the internet and the way we can connect people together. I totally, I don't disagree that this will have an impact. You know, you're not going to double the price with 200,000 people on a on a message board. Just if you look at the overall volume, I mean, the credible crypto shout out on YouTube was talking about this to where you know, with the amount of volume that you know crypto like XRP does. These 200,000 individuals would have to spend like 350 K each on XRP to significantly chunk into the volume that it just does on a daily basis. And the nature of it is here in the States. I mean, we are a little fish in a big pond, which is XRP. So it's important to understand. I mean, a lot of this stuff is getting traded overseas and for, for it to have a serious impact. I mean, this would have to be more of a worldwide thing than a U.S. What, what you know, what people were able to do with GameStop. Not to say you couldn't go trade GameStop overseas, but it's primarily focused on the United States. So I agree with you in the sense that bringing bringing exposure to it is perfect, right? I mean, heck, we're in a good spot with it. We've got our bags packed, ready to go. <laughs> hasn't stopped me from diversifying into some other cryptos, but at the same time, having enough, Clay, like you talked about, where, we, you know, it is a little bit of a gamble into it, but, you know, to keep us back on track, I, I think it'll have an impact in terms of exposure, but you're not going to double the price of XRP with a quarter million people online. That's yeah. my two cents.
0: I, 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 regardless, it'll be interesting to see i think the reason it's been going up recently too is because of their response to the lawsuit not right necessarily because of the uh the people that are trying to pump it but i think that it's interesting that there's like there we're in a time now where like people on the internet can literally have an effect like people yep. that band together in these groups and stuff The the retail investors that always right. get shit on with everything have right. been able to at least have an impact like they've you know they're at least making in the news they with GameStop, it was insane. Like when you look at the stock price, it went from two dollars, you know, it was like two bucks or something like that, to like four hundred and something. Like that's insane. And
2: it's it was so smart, you know, not to dig into this too much, but you know, the, the real smart guys in it were the first couple guys, because what it wasn't that it you know, this wasn't a concept of people just banning together or kind of getting together and, and pumping this price up. There was a massive opportunity. So a group of individuals couldn't individually do that to a stock price. But no. what would ha- happen in that scenario, and JT just add, shed a little bit of light on this topic for you, 98% of the outstanding stock was shorted. So – as you drive that price up, these hedge funds have to try to cover their shorts and you get this big snowball effect. So it, was, it wasn't it was so much as smart as everybody banding together and doing it. It was the guy who identified yeah, they, the, the, the short squeeze, right, is, is what they call it in the industry. So that understanding just the way that you can manipulate markets in a short squeeze and then you just wildfired it and launched it from there. So there's not that doesn't exist in XRP, right? Clay, you know, very little, there's very little derivatives trading, very little options trading in the crypto space. There are a couple of platforms, but the reason why that astronomical effect happened in GameStop was because the hedge funds then had to, you know, keep pouring coal on the fire or you know, throwing snow on the snowball, whatever analogy you want to use, which leads me to believe that you're not going to see that type of impact. In a crypto space, we may never see that again, unless somebody, you know, I think people are going to learn from this. This isn't replicated, but it's changed the thinking, right. To where you see the impact that the internet and the retail investors can make, and, and you just have to find the opportunity. So that's, that's why, right. There's not that other side of the coin in XRP where these big whales have to now, you know, chunk up as much of it as they can to try to not lose as much money which just then dictates even further into that role. So that's another reason I think with, you know, as we talk about XRP, why it's, you're not gonna see that type of impact. And even if it goes up, you can't, I mean, causation in in core, I mean, it's like saying, you know, oh, this summer was historically hot and murder rates went up. You know what I mean? You can't, it's hard to draw that direct line towards a, a, you know, causation and correlation. So I I don't think it's gonna make a huge impact, but time will tell, we'll see on Monday.
0: Regardless, just the whole circumstance around <clears throat> what happened with GameStop, at least people are moving to crypto because they're like, yeah. this is like not fair. So like right. the the miss or the distrust of the traditional, I mean, people already are, are starting to not trust the dollar. Like the amount of printing they're having with the dollar and then just the craziness with COVID and then all this stuff with um, now with GameStop. Like it's just people are like slowly starting to be like, just more inclined to move towards crypto just because it's not the decentralization of it purely. Yeah.
1: I got a good question. So since you have all these different types of crypto, is it like, you know, down the line, are you paying with different types of crypto or is it all going to be kind of like a universal, like, are you, so Mm -hmm. like, for example, you're down the line and I need to buy something. Can I use, you know, XRP or can I use like Bitcoin, bitcoin or for like a purchase or can i use both or you know what i mean
0: yeah yeah no that's a good question i think so Uh, that's like a common like uh i feel like um misconception with like a lot of the you know how there's there's seven thousand cryptocurrencies right now um so Mm -hmm. just right off the bat like you should know it's the same as the internet stock boom where it's like you know there's all these companies when the internet was created and then what happened to most of them like almost all of them disappear. They go away, they go to nothing. So out of the 7,000 cryptos, let's say there's 70 of them that are legitimate and they have good companies. They're good back. They're, you know, they're well-backed companies. They have good teams and they're actual, they actually have utility. Um, Out of the 70, you know, that may survive out of crypto right now, not all of them are meant for payments. Not all of them are meant to transact with like Even Bitcoin, like you you mentioned Bitcoin as a form of payment. Bitcoin can't be used as a form of payment. It's way too slow. Um, And there's just simply like, environmentally, it's like terrible. So like just the fact that it's too slow, like think about this. Visa processes like hundreds of thousands of transactions per second. You know, like MasterCard, Visa, like those different type of companies. Bitcoin can only do like, I think it's something like 10 per second or, you know, some, it's some very small amount. So just on a global scale, it physically couldn't be used for that. That's why everybody talks about Bitcoin being like a store of value. Like when you go to send Bitcoin from somebody to another person right now, it could take, you know, several days in some scenarios in order to reach them. So, um, there, there's a bunch of cryptocurrencies, you know, with that said outside of Bitcoin. Uh, like Ethereum and you know, these other ones that you hear of, that their use cases is not meant to be sending money and like using money to buy goods and services. Now there are a handful that are all fighting in the space of payments and like, hey, you know, I actually wanna be able to use this as a form of payment. Uh, Bitcoin just has like the big name brand right now. So to, to your point, no, these, all these cryptos aren't fighting for like, I wanna be the one that gets used as cur- like a form of currency. Uh, a handful of them are fighting for that. A a lot of them have like completely different use cases that they're just, they're called cryptocurrencies, but they're all on the blockchain and they're all using blockchain technology to essentially solve different problems in the world. So like uh, Matt was telling me about one the other day that like is um, uh, something with tokenization. So where it's like, these, these people on the blockchain, like it was, it's something related to music where basically like, um, you could, like an artist could release a specific, uh, piece of, of music and then he could sell, uh, like pieces of that song. So they released a thousand, like an artist, I think it was Blau, the the DJ released like, a, uh, tokenization version of his song where people could then go and buy and be like part owner of his song. And so he released a thousand of them, like a thousand of those things. And like, you can now prove that, you know, through the blockchain, you own a part of this song or whatever. So there, there's a million and one different like little use cases that you could have for it. Um, like with smart contracts, you hear about, you know, the, what Ethereum does, like essentially uh, it's creating like different, um, yeah uses within the finance industry that are just like not there right now but no not all of them are going to be used for for payments
1: necessarily
2: yeah and gotcha. just to, to piggyback on that i think probably jt the best place to start in terms of research and this is for anybody out there listening that has gotten to this point of the you fifteen twenty viewers that have gotten to this point of the podcast thousands look at market cap thousands hundreds of thousands in the arena of those of those of you hundreds of thousands of people Look at the market caps, right? And when, when I, you know, let's clarify that. Market cap is basically just the amount of money that is in a specific currency. And then just do your research into each individual one because what you'll realize is, I like to, and this is how I like to explain it, that you really have two categories of cryptocurrency. You've got your stable coins, your kind of stores of currency, that, you know, Bitcoin has been used to transact, but Clay is, is directly on it, will never become the global power. I personally, and this is a personal opinion, we don't know the future. I mean, if you look at countries like India, India is planning on completely banning cryptocurrency. So for the notion that one cryptocurrency is going to become, is going to replace dollars, whether that's US dollars, whether that's Chinese, UN, whether that's Japanese yen, whatever that currency is, I don't believe you're going to see one specific cryptocurrency become the global currency of use but which you can have in in like the position of XRP where as you transact these currencies and as you like, for example, JT, when you move, you know, us dollars into Canadian dollars, they're using a really outdated system. It's expensive. It runs really slow. If you can intermediary it with some store like XRP to where a thousand dollars of us dollars is going to convert out to a certain amount of XRP, which converts out to a certain amount of Canadian. Now you middleman some of these transactions that is more of the use case. That's more of the overarching style that you'll see. But to think, you know, to have the mindset that one of these is going to become like using your dollars, that you may not see that in your lifetime, right? Just the, we don't want to change. Governments don't want to change. Things are going to move. So you're going to have countries banning it. So if 95% of the globe is using one currency and India isn't, well, what does that actually mean for the global currency market and the globalists, if we want to jump into it. Uh, but, but for that matter, man, that's the way I look at it. Uh, I use it as an investment vehicle above all else. Anything that you think is going to you know, increase in value for X, Y, or Z reason, whether it's the actual scarcity of it, like Bitcoin, it's the reason why Bitcoin value goes up. It's because of the supply and demand of it, then the scarcity, right? Where they start to, you can only, there's only so much of it in the universe, and you can only own, own so much. So that's the way I like to think about cryptos. And for any new investors getting in, look in your Bitcoins, your Ethereums, your XRP. Take your top five market caps, do deep dives, and then find people who are really knowledgeable on the subject. And then listen to their opinions, listen to their takes, weed it out. And, and then just, you know, play with a little bit of pizza money and
1: see what happens. You know? Yeah. Man. That, you, I think you did a good job explaining that, Nate. Appreciate
0: you. Yeah. Man. So on that same topic, uh, JT, do you believe in aliens?
1: Yeah. Uh, Absolutely. (laughs) I mean, like, if you think about it, like, I don't want to, like, get too far into it. But, like, if you think about it, like, when you, like, when it's dark and there's no lights on and you're somewhere, like, kind of remote and you look up and you see, like, all this different light, all these different stars, like, how can you think there's not some other life form besides us? I think that's very selfish, almost. Think, like, oh, yeah. yeah, Self-centered. We're the only... We're the only ones that are alive, and this only, in this like this plant. We're the only plant that has a life form. Like that's so close-minded, in my opinion. I
0: agree. I agree. And also, like, how the hell, like, like, just from a probability standpoint, like, you would obviously want to say like yes, because like, how, if you don't know, which we don't know, you know, some of us, at least, uh, the government may. Um, so if if you don't know the answer, and then you literally, like you said, you just look up. It would be foolish to think like there's not a possibility. Like, you know what I mean? I don't know. Uh, are, you, are you a you conspiracy guy, JC? What what conspiracy?
1: I kind of I kind of lie, lie in the middle. Um, I don't I don't like. There's some that like I like like kind of like you talked about in your last podcast. It's like when you have a little bit of evidence, then you can kind of like uh like you think it about weird. it. Like, <laughs> you can't just you can't just think of something like straightforward as as it's told to you. You have to like kind of get your own information. Um, yeah
0: i i like to peg like i I always like to to hear people's opinions on it because i think i think when when people like talk about the conspiracy stuff and like give their like rationale it gives you a good insight into like how their their mind works so it's super interesting for me um to yeah to see what people think and like it gives you an idea of like how open-minded people are and like what they're willing to like like talk about and stuff like that so yeah
2: but like you may There's have to more. kick off every podcast. So what do you think of conspiracy theories? No, aliens is
0: the is a great one because uh, some people are, like, very, like, just right off the bat, like, no, like, I don't believe in aliens. Like, they don't want to look dumb. Like, like, no, aliens aren't real. Like, <laughs> what are you talking about? And then some people are like, hell, yeah, they're real. So it's, like, it's uh, it gives me an idea of, like, what their, uh, yeah, kind of where their mindsets
1: are. The, the thing that bothers me about, like like, people's, like, ideologies on it it's like they'll be like you know well there's not other planets that have like the perfect temperature and then like they don't have water who's to say these these aliens like (laughs) drink water or like need a specific temperature that we do and also like
0: how the hell do you know there's no other planets that have that like what are you talking about like (laughs) one google article said that or something like (laughs) it i don't know
2: Describe, describe the alien race that you're envisioning because you're picturing something over there. What's your, let's say it's on planet Zordon or something out in the galaxy we haven't discovered yet. What's going on on that planet with those aliens? I mean, just, just take a stab at it.
1: Um, like it's hard to like really, so I don't necessarily think of aliens as like, you know, arms, legs, eyes. Like sometimes to me, it's just like, they could be like Like molten magma, you know what I mean? Like they don't have to be like, like flesh and yeah. Like it could could be like microbes and like small like organisms that like you can't necessarily see. Like kind of like we have like, um, like fungus and like bacteria. Like I I think that um, that's definitely a possibility. I mean, not necessarily the molten magma, but that's that's, well. Hey, you never know.
0: You never know. Well, okay. So here's the yeah. question then. It, so would we consider aliens anything that is life that's outside of the universe, or do we consider aliens anything that has consciousness, like they're like, uh or I don't know if consciousness is even the that's, right word. That,
2: that's what I was thinking, Clay. I think that's the right consciousness term. Is the right think it's consciousness, right word. Consciousness.
0: Yeah. Like, like intelligent. Yeah. Yeah. Consciousness. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't know. That's see. That's the question. I think because JT, I think there's like. I'm with you on the fact that there's like there's probably no doubt in uh in or there's at least no doubt in my mind that there's there has to be life of some form like maybe it's like microbial bacteria or like whatever the hell it is the the question then is is there intelligent life that's like the next one is like is there is there life that's like smart enough that they could be here or they could be because, I mean, I've listened to some Joe Rogan podcasts. There was, one, there, was a guy, there was a guy, Travis Walton, on there recently who was telling a story about, like, in a, it was a full... Of, he's, like, the most famous abduction story ever. And his story was, like, it's so interesting to listen to. If you guys haven't listened to it, it's, like... The, the way he describes it, like, he's the most famous case of this ever happening. And, like, he sounds really convincing. <laughs> so it's, like... Man, I don't clients. know. Like, why
2: would somebody? Why would somebody lie about that? You know? Why would know. somebody keep this full? Because I totally agree with you. The stories and the evidence that exists of some type of you know extraterrestrial being. Because let's not get derogatory. They're not aliens. They're extraterrestrial <laughs> beings. Okay. First and <laughs> foremost, let's draw a clean line in the sand. No, not to be mixed up. Not to get not fuzzy. illegal aliens. Yeah, yeah, they're not. I mean, come on. But. With, with some of these individuals, right? I've seen a tons of documentaries, whether it's, uh, what's the guy? What's the, the Area 51 guy, Clay? I can't think of him.
0: Uh, Bob Lazar.
2: Lazar, whether it's Lazar, whether it's the guy you were talking about, heck, whether it's like the you know, stuff you see on Netflix, you know whether it's to sensitize us, desensitize us, however, whatever you want to get off into, whatever rabbit hole. At the end of the day, for this many people to make up these detailed accounts and stories of what had happened to them and then go on with it? it's either you have to be a fool to not at least like to to just discount everything
0: you know what i mean but but at the same time like part of me so part of me thinks that like for sure and then another part of me thinks like i also have a huge bias because i just i think it's interesting and i just want to believe it like (laughs) so my like my wanting to believe in i'm like ah, like it's it it like and i think a lot of people are that way like they're like they're hesitant to believe in it because they do want to believe in it but they need like proof of it And it's like, that's the other thing, Nate, though. There's never any fucking hard proof of any of this stuff, which is like the other. shared. At least not like hard evidence to where
2: you're, you know, going down to the.
0: Not shared. Correct. There's not shared. That's the thing. All these people are like, no, there is evidence. It's just like, you just can't see it. Like you just. Yeah. They they don't have it.
2: Hey, I could talk aliens all day long. You know me. I'm a, I'm a firm believer. Clay, we, we did get a little bit of evidence ourselves. I mean, it may have been a shooting star. It may have been something else. But when we were down in – Mont or up in Montana and we uh, we pulled out the app and we're playing with the sounds <laughs> and doing some <laughs> work, communicating with the, uh, the extra director. Oh,
0: we're going to find aliens. Like, we're going to find them. We'll, so you know we'll they're supposed be the to hard release... evidence.
2: We'll be the hard evidence. How about you know they're that?
0: supposed to release it, and, uh, like, they, they came out with, like, I guess the FBI or the CIA or whatever the, the agency that's – holding a lot of the secrecy is supposed to release it. it's part of the covid relief bill like literally in the covid relief bill it says uh i think the date is like it's in like the end of february so it's like in the next month i think well, um,
2: for, you, for those of you listening you should see my face right now i mean that's yeah. that
0: literally in the <laughs> like like that, this is not i'm not I'm literally not kidding they they've been talking about this in the covid relief bill there's a part that says they're supposed to release the files on wow. you know what they know about uh, aliens
2: well, clay we know what we're talking about at the end of february
0: <laughs> yeah exactly a deep dive that's special. all right well J- yeah jt is there anything else uh you want to what are what are like any last things you want to touch on i'm curious from from your standpoint I, you haven't got to ask us anything anything crazy yet
1: as far as far as just like anything dude or Anything about, in life?
0: no anything in life no nah, it doesn't have to be aliens
1: <laughs> um i just want to say like Clay, you you're a very interesting human. You actually remind me a lot of my, my brother, as far as like your your motivation and drive. Like like looking you over like the last few years, like, do some of the stuff that you've been doing, and like, it's a very go getter attitude. And I think it's I think it's interesting. I think it's really cool. Like where a lot of people don't really have that. Like uh, so, I mean, that's just more of a comment. Um, yeah. But as um, as far as everything else, like I don't know. I think we touched we touched on a lot of different stuff. Um, me and Nate talk every now and then and uh, yeah um, but you know all's well in my in my world right now I mean I'm I'm just you know indulging in a lot of change um, and just kind of trying different stuff and um, just like taking all taking it all in because I mean we only have one life and so it's 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 interesting because like a lot of times something happens and like you know you get sad and you know people go through a lot of stuff but at the end of the day, like, you, you know, we're still alive, and we're still experiencing this crazy world of uh, yeah. like what we're going through, and it's just, it's interesting.
0: Yeah, and <clears throat> dude, I know, I mean, I know you've been through, uh, a, a, as we all have, we've had <clears throat> probably, man, we've probably had the most people at our high school pass away out of damn near Anybody I know, like literally with, from our specific grade and from our class and from all the people that, that we grew up with, I mean, we've had a lot of people pass away. And um, to your point, a lot of that has, has like rubbed off back on me. I have the, I'm in the same mindset as you where it's like that one, like I, I have the, literally a picture right here that says one life on it because I, I need, I love having the constant reminder that like tomorrow's not guaranteed. I'm waking up. I just want to do what I'm going to do. And, and to your point, JT, like the, the go-getter mentality is from the one life mentality. It's like, I realize that my, my time here is limited. I want to take advantage of, uh, the, you know, the gifts that I've been given to just be here and be alive. I'm super grateful for that. So I'm like, holy shit, I need to, I want to do everything I want to, you know, I want to experience as quickly as I can. And then also I started to post about that, started to share it. I've been living my life this way since I was in. Uh, you know, a super young, I've been doing this since I was in, since I've known you guys in middle school, but I just started actually being open about, Hey, this is what I'm doing. Like, this didn't work. I failed at this. Like, Hey, this is, I'm trying this now, you know, I'm going to do this yeah. next. I am I'm, I'm going to try this. Like, I'm just telling people like what I'm doing in the hopes that there are a couple people out there that are like, Oh shit. Like, you know, I know him from high school or I know him from whatever. And it helps that person. Cause they're like, well, if he's doing it shit, and he doesn't care. Like, maybe I should try this too or, you know, whatever. So um, back to that topic of like, the, you know, being sad and like being, you know, losing people. What do you do? Like, I know obviously Mitch was a huge part of your life. And then like, we've all yeah. had, you know, Terry and Alex Friedman and And I mean, literally the list goes on. Like, we've had so many people from our high school pass away. Were there any like, because you were super close with, with Mitch. Is there any like lessons that you've taken away um, that you want to leave people with that for people that have lost somebody close that um, that have helped you like especially yeah. a close friend
1: yeah so I mean like you said like a lot of people in our grade and like people we knew like you know passed away and I think everything like affects people differently like so for me specifically like me and Mitch were like best friends like he's probably my best friend I've ever had and so mm-hmm. that affected me more than like other people dying not to say that that's that's not sad but like to me that was like something where like every single day like up till now like i think about it it's like it's on yeah. my mind and i don't think about it all of the time but like some t- like some part of the day like it comes across my mind yeah. and i guess like for me like it it's tough i mean like the, you know the first couple of years is tough and like there's not like a like a a linear path like it, there's ups there's ups and there's downs and mm. like i guess for me like the, what the way i the way i went through it is like like I kind of just like live like with like with his memory and like think of like the good times we had, um and you know you can't let that go because like you know at, at least for me like I believe I will see him again. So that's kind of like what kind of drives me to keep keep going forward because like you ultimately have like a couple decisions like you know you're gonna give up or you're yeah. gonna like keep keep going. <laughs> and that's pretty, yeah, like pretty like,
0: black and white.
1: <laughs> yeah, and like I guess for him like you know he passed away pretty suddenly and like you know it's, it's, it's like, you, you really never know what's going on in like in, in someone's head and like what they're going through. um, So for me, I guess like it's, it's an ongoing battle. It's still going on, but I think you got to find like, like a reason to like, you know, something to live for, like find something that you're passionate about because like, you know, and also like, there's a lot of people surrounding you that care about you. So like mm-hmm. finding those different people, like Babs reached out to me like a couple of weeks ago and like we talked and like, and for, to me, like that means a lot. Like something like, you know, someone checking up on me and saying, Hey, how you doing? Like, to me, like that's like kind of like a lot of reasons for me to live. is cause like, you know, I have friends and family that care about me and they, you know, they, they tell me. And yeah. I think, I think a lot of people need to realize like, you know, check up on your friends. Cause like, you never know, like how much that that might mean to them. And just saying like, nice things to people being kind to people like, you know, when you're checking out, like at a line, like say, like, Oh, thank you. Have a great day. Like and actually mean it. And like, yeah. that goes a long way, I think.
0: No, and I agree. And I think like the three of us being here on this call is a testament to, you know, our ourselves and our character, like we, we all grew up together, we all grew up making fun of each other and razzing each other and being parts of, you know, different groups and social circles and stuff. But then like, at the end of the day, like, a lot of people are just left with those memories, and they don't realize that, like, you know, people change, like, people actually do care about you, people, uh, you know, it's not always, like, we're not the same people we were in middle school, you know, we're not the same people we were in high school, and uh, to, to reach back out to those people that were a part of your life, and to just show people that, you know, hey, I still, like, you're still my friend, like, still care about you, like, you know, we may not be in the same area, or on the same path, or whatever, but, you know, you were still a part of my life and I still, you know, care about you is I think super yeah. important. I like, I've been writing letters to people. I think that's super interesting. Uh, you like random people yeah, will cool. ask for them, like random people from high school or rent, you know, and I'll, I'll get to write down like a full letter of like, you know, whatever my thoughts are about them and like how, how I'm wishing them well. And like, that feels really good for me. Cause I'm like, it's almost like, okay, like, I write this person a letter, I tell somebody something that I normally wouldn't get to tell them. And it's like, it's like weight off my chest in the sense that like, I know like where I stand with that person, like, I'm like, hey, this is like how I feel about you. And like, I'm wishing you well. And I just want you to know that kind of thing. So I think if more people did that, they would, they would experience, I don't know, they would just, it's, you feel lighter. Like you just feel lighter as you go through life. And uh, to your point about like, just losing people, it's, we've. Yeah. Lost. And for you, it's different. Like he was your best friend. So it's going to have like a crazier impact on you. Like obviously impacted all of us, but there's like a different level to it. And I think, um, people, uh, to, to your point about like finding a reason to live. I, I always think about that. And I think about this, like somebody told me a story where they were talking about like, you know, if you know, people who commit suicide and things like that. And they were like, the, what those people didn't realize is that, like, let's say you live a miserable life. Like, let's say you live like one of the saddest lives ever and you just trudged on and on and on and you make it to the end of your life and one single person learned something from you or something happened in their lives to where uh, they were able to have a good life or, or maybe you saved their life in some way that you had no idea about, you know, like a butterfly effect all the, the pain and misery that you went through saved someone else's life. If if you just had an effect on just one person's life and you, you endured, you know, your entire life from it, like it was worth living. Like you literally were yeah. worth living if you just had the impact on one other person. So uh, to your point about like, yeah, there's days where like, yeah, you feel like shit probably. And days where like things don't make sense and I I think we all have those, but just reminding yourself, like, I'm here for a reason. I can help other people. Like, maybe other people are feeling like I'm feeling. And if I can just help one of those people, then, um, you know, my life has been successful, literally.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, like, I guess for, like, Mitch and I's relationship was, like, very similar to, like, what we've been talking about, like, where we always checked up on each other. And, like, like we'd always hang out together and, like, you know, made sure we were, each other were doing good. Like, we showed each other we cared about each other. And I think that's a lot of thing, like especially with men and like stigma, like you know, like telling them, like you know, you I love you and like you, like you mean a lot to me. Like where people think it's like kind of like a masculine thing, but like a lot of times, like it's it's not. It's 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 kind of like the polar opposite. It's like you know, a lot of uh, like relationships and we kind of see in like 2020 where like you don't have much like contact with people, but like that that means a lot to people. And like for me, like it does. Like and it's been hard for me for like 2020 because like I'm a big like like I'm a touchy person. So like, I, 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 like hugging my friends. I like hugging my family. And then like, that's been kind of like cut off to an extent. So it's been, mm-hmm. it's been tough for that aspect. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I guess, you know, um, it's, it's tough. I mean, there's no yeah. two ways about it.
0: The, the whole masculinity thing is interesting too. Cause you know, in some ways I'm like, like, that's like not an area where you need to feel like you need to be masculine. And like, if you want to be masculine, go like do hard shit, like go do things in your life that are fucking hard, go suffer, go, work out, go be it like an actual man. But then also because you do all those other hard things, you should be comfortable being able to tell people, Hey, I love you. Like, Hey, you mean a lot to me. Hey, I'm expressing like my gratitude towards you. Like that's not uh, a uh, non-masculine thing to do. I just think people who are insecure about things like that, find it weird. So to those people, Mm -hmm. I would say like, go find your masculinity in other things like go do hard shit, like go, you know, Go on a long mm-hmm. run. Go work out. Go do a cold plunge. Go do jujitsu, or you know, find a way to uh, to fill that that void. If that's like what where people think, because yeah. I think there's a lot of people that think that. And I think a lot of people from from high school and like looking back on on like days like that, where I'm like, man, like we really did like treat some people like not well. Like in terms of like we didn't know it at the time. We were all young, stupid kids. But like picking on people. Like looking back, like some people didn't turn out that well, and some people ended up doing drugs and some people ended up going off the deep end and in other areas. And I, I almost feel like, I'm like, man, like there were probably times where we needed to like be a little bit better about who we were like, in those mm-hmm. situations. Yeah.
1: Cause you hear about like, at least like I hear about like other people I've associated with like work wise and like, you know, they talk about like physical bullying and I think like where we grew up, it was more like emotional and Mental, like actually yeah. verbal no one was like pushing each other in lockers it was it was all like you know it was all banter
0: yeah and, and it like was, it's it,
1: it's fine for some people but like it's it's different in some other cases
0: a hundred percent and then, like looking back i just hate to even think that like it because it was such a part of like what like us growing up like everybody was razzing each other like everyone's making fun of each other and, and a lot of it was the older kids that were great above us you know you just like simple little things and i think back to those times i'm like man like you know, some people probably took like some of that stuff the wrong way and it probably really affected some people. And so it's like, it's sad to think about. And I'm like, man, I, I just wish more people like from our high school has, have like, uh, have developed in that mindset. I would, Oh, I, mm-hmm. I think that is the case. I just don't think a lot of people show it. And a lot of people yeah. are still like, you know, scared to even post on social media or they don't talk to each other anymore, or they're, you know, just different situations like that. But I mean, Nate, you've said the same thing before too about, totally.
2: you no, know, I, I couldn't agree more with you guys. I mean, Clay, we had a conversation like this going, you know, just even a couple weekends ago uh, when we had, when we had talked about it and, and what it does. And, and I can talk, speak out of experience of this because I growing up, I, you know, it's not a hard thing to do, but you could just get crippled by judgment right. And you do everything in your life because you, you know, you're, you ha- you always have that in your brain. Like, okay, who's going to judge me on this on that. And, and even mm-hmm. if you look at social media and different things, it's, it, it's a, it's a journey, right. As you try to remove yourself from it, but it is far and above the most important thing you could possibly do in your life. It's just who gives a shit what anybody else thinks that has to be your mindset. But just to touch on what you guys were just talking about, I always have the same thoughts, Clay, looking back. Um, you never know you know what you're going to you know you, from a kindness standpoint Albeit if, if it was the general gist of what was being thrown around and, and people were saying this, that, and the other. And, you know, I not only was a victim, but was a deliverer of a lot of that to where, which just how we functioned, right? We just, you know, we Yeah, the locker room things. banter. Well, yeah, and, yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, it is, you know, as you start to think about the type of impacts that it may have had on individuals, you look back and, and you know, you, whether you're regretful, whether you wish you could have done, you know, different things to each their own. At the end of the day, I mean, all you can do is, is look back on it, learn from it and move forward. Uh, but I, I totally agree with, with, you know, the sentiment that, that you bring to the table in that conversation.
0: Well, I always had like the underlying mindset of like, dude, you have to be kind to people. Like you yeah. have to be kind to everyone. Like even if you're joking around back and forth, like it's so important to, to, to be kind because you don't know how it's impacting someone else. You don't know what's going on in their day. You don't know if they're you know, maybe that is something you said affected them. They go off and they do drugs and it ends up affecting them. They're in a terrible mental state and like things just perpetuate and you never know what someone else is going through. So I think uh, just kindness is and non-judgmentalness too. Yep. Like, like you said, like if you don't want to get judged, um, the best way to like stop worrying about yourself being judged is to stop judging other people. Yep. The more judgmental you are, the more you fear being judged. That's why like I, I literally don't care anymore about like what, what I put out on social media or what I'm talking about regarding literally anything because I know what my intentions are. nobody else knows my intentions to the full extent of of me, like nobody knows me other than what they just see me put out. so if somebody takes something the wrong way, you know if I put out a picture and I'm not wearing a mask like I did this past week and people people are getting <laughs> mad at me on social media, it's like you don't understand like my intention you don't know like where i'm coming from and you don't know my like you you just don't know enough about me to even be able to judge so for those things i feel bad and i feel empathetic and i'm like look i don't want to hurt your viewpoints and i don't want to you know come off the wrong way um but just judgment is such a poison i feel like in in our society and like especially with us kids growing up like looking back
2: yep Mm -hmm. I think it's what, you know, what's impacted me so long after the fact, right? But Clay, you, that's the golden nugget of this podcast. And this is the mindset shift for me. If you're looking at things and you're looking at people and the first thing you're thinking of and you're jumping to judgment, you're not even at the start line of, of creating, you know, a non-judgmental environment of yourself and, and giving a shit about anyone else's judgment. The minute that you can look at somebody's, you know, whatever they do, whether it's the way they talk, the way they walk, what they post, and you, you automatically jump to a judgment, you're not even close to, to not caring no. about what people say about you. And it's the biggest mindset shift you could possibly have is just be able to go about your business, you know, and, and do it in that manner. And then that's the only way you can not care about what people think yeah. of you is the minute you stop caring about what you think about other people.
0: Yeah, if you could walk around with one question in mind and you wanted to live a happy life, if you literally just walked around and you thought, how could I be kind to this person? like with anybody you deal with, like how could I be kind in this situation to this person or whatever, then your life would be so much happier. Because like judgment is literally, that's bringing in the poison. It makes you think you're better than them or you think you're worse than them. And, and you know, that's the stem, that that comparison and and that like, ah, just toxic. But yeah, I mean, JT, any final thoughts from you on this? I mean, you're the one that, uh, you've Um, been going through a lot of it, so.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just, I mean, I guess for me, like um, when I, especially like the last couple of years is like when I'm talking to people, like making different friends of different like coworkers, like I try to relate to them and like, I try to show no judgment because like, you don't know what's going on in their life. And like, and I think that's why I get along with a lot of people is because like, I kind of show this, like the side of me where like, you know, I'm, I'll ask you questions and I'm not going to show you judgment. Like if anything, I'm just like listening, you know, I'm not making comments, remarks, like. So it's to me, like the more kind I am, the better I feel about myself too. Mm-hmm. Like, so I, like, you know, when I, like I said, like when I'm checking out and like, like, I tell people, thank you, like, you know, have a great day. And then like, you know, people I work with, like, you know, I tell them I care about them and like, cause you know, a lot of people are going through a lot of stuff and they'll they'll voice it. And then you, and I think what you have to do is like follow up with them. Like, Hey, like, how are you feeling today? Like what's mm-hmm. going on? Like, and a lot of that goes a long ways. And like, and that's how I think I've developed a lot of good friendships. Cause like, I think people realize that like. I'm pretty genuine and like, and cause I, I've gone through it myself. So it's like, maybe not the same scenario, but like, I've, I felt bad and I felt sad. And like, if they're going through that too, like I want to show them that like, you know, I'm there for them.
0: Yeah. That empathy is like the, it's probably the most important trait you could have literally. That's huge. All right, guys. Well, this was a, this was a good conversation. I uh, appreciate both you fellas uh, hopping on and doing this. Um, Thanks for having us, dude yeah
1: absolutely uh, thanks
0: anytime you guys can be some reoccurring guests for me
1: um yeah absolutely anytime we'll uh we'll talk about aliens and conspiracies fill fill the airway
0: (laughs) (laughs) fill the
2: air holes.
0: (laughs) hell yeah all right guys well let me here let me all right this is the make sure you guys for the viewers out there drop a like for both of these guys and ring those comment below ring yeah whatever you guys hit all the buttons (laughs) bell smash like uh yeah subscribe and we'll see you guys in
1: the next episode peace, peace! see ya okay so that